Oh boy. We out here. First ever live streamed episode. You're not ready for this. Welcome to Pod for the Planet. <laughs> I'm Charles Olson. <clears throat> I'm Ramel Pacheco. And today we're going to be answering some questions that were sent to us from some of our awesome listeners like you. All right. So why don't we just get right started? So we had a bunch of questions that were sent in to us over the past couple of weeks, um, and I've compiled them, and we're just going to go through and answer them in this special holiday special, basically. So the first question comes to us from a Redditor uh, who I don't know, um, and that question is, what resource or resources do you think will be depleted within the next 10 years, if any? Water. Yeah, definitely water. <clears throat> definitely, definitely fresh water. Um, I'm, now, I'm not saying, like, all the water is going to run out, but, like, it's definitely going to be the most impactful source, resource that, like, runs out first. I agree. My computer is currently... <clears throat> do you hear that? The fan on my computer is, like... A jet engine trying to take off right now. Um, do you remember what was it last year? Cape Town, South Africa, they were running out of fresh water. Yeah. Um, I think as the climate changes and as the areas of that experience like seasonal rains change, I think that certain areas like Sub-Saharan Africa are just going to become more dry. Um, we've seen that with like the droughts that happened in the Southwest United States as well. Um, I think it's important to realize like how much water we use like globally, like so everything we do like requires the use of fresh water and we just kind of don't treat it with the same respect that we treat other resources like oil, for example. Um, and I think that over the next 10 years, we're going to see like a reversal where it's like oil isn't going to be the thing that wars are fought over anymore. It's water instead. Um, a lot of things people don't talk about is also the resource of phosphorus and how like we're running out of phosphorus and that's like needed for our agriculture and like, you know, phosphorus that comes from rocks, right? Yeah, it does. The, the, the phosphorus cycle apparently on earth globally is not as fast or working and as so quickly it takes as it, too long. Yeah. It's taking longer and longer for phosphorus to <clears throat> like, you know, geez. So it's only found in like China, Morocco, and like some parts of the U.S. But damn, yeah, and it's like necessary for like fertilizing, which is like basically what we need to 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 use to grow food. Since you know, so not just water, phosphorus is going away. Phosphorus. Do you think that in the next ten years we're gonna? run out of oil or gas or is that something we shouldn't even worry about i think this this whole question to me is kind of like are we going to make it the next 10 years like we're starting another decade the climate crisis is getting worse like is this an optimistic outlook like i feel like our non-renewable resources so oil cold natural gas mm -hmm. i'd say a good another 30 years we have another 30 years on them yeah damn 
That's what. That's too damn long. That that's personally that's what I think. So, and then for like phosphorus, water, and even like, and also like rare rare earth elements, like, like lithium, scan uh, scandium, terabim. Those are found in like uh-huh. smartphones. Oh okay. Yeah. For and um, also wind turbines. So are we able to use? <coughs> Are we able to recycle certain of these things? So, like, uh, like there's been a trend where people have, like, in the Middle East and in Sub-Saharan Africa, people are putting money into researching water desalination plants to try and, like, create fresh water. Is there a certain process to, like, reuse phosphorus like that? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move that's, on. That's an Alyssa Turner question. Well, we'll have to have her on for an, es- an episode about phosphorus. Let's move on to our next question. She does have an episode of phosphorus, actually. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Whoops. Um, look out for that in 2020. Uh, our next question uh, is also coming from Reddit, and it's asking if should access to water be a right? Uh, if no, why not? If yes, how do you imagine ensuring this, given that so many industries use such a large amount of water, while the amount of fresh water, <coughs> like we said before, is finite <coughs> and shrinking? You know, the, the CEO of Nestle said water's not a right. All right, well, what? Uh, capitalism is spoken, so I guess that <laughs> answers that question. Water shouldn't be Since a right. Since we're anti-capitalist, we're going to go with Water is a right. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I think that, like, there's been a movement for, like, the Bill of Natural Rights mm. um, to have, like, people ensuring that, like, instead of just, like, the rights of, like, free speech, uh, freedom to practice your religion, et cetera, um, we need to have rights to, like, uh, having a right to a place to live, having a right to clean air, clean water, Um and I think that that is something that, like, the environmental movement has been pushing for a pretty long time and is just starting to, like, get into the mainstream um, with stuff like the Green New Deal and other proposed pieces of legislation that talk about these things. Have you heard about, speaking of privatization, um, have you heard about the, uh, the, the bottled air in India? Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. It's like the Lorax. <coughs> mm-hmm. It's like the scene where it's, like... What's it? O'Hare Air? The O'Hare Air delivery guy? Keep talking while I look this up. Um. Oh, this man had the biggest mustache. The, I haven't... The I, biggest mustache. I'm going to have to include a link in the show notes, but, like, this man's mustache. Massive. That's the O'Hare Air delivery that, guy. What? Oh, I I think... I don't know. Is that but, him yeah. without the mustache? Must mustache. <laughs> mustache yeah so they're selling it it started off as just like a research experiment but now there's actually places where you can buy canned air right yep and then i know like i think it's either ireland or sweden there's a company that sells jars of air but not like for like the need of breathing just for like like this is a cool thing that we're selling buy it it's like Gamer Girl Bathwater. Oh, well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? Gamer Girl Bathwater? Are you, you do not I know. I don't know. Do you? <laughs> Belle Delphine. Who? Belle Delphine. 
the uh, the greatest the our our Lord and Savior E girl. No, no oh idea. Oh my gosh, no idea. She, You'll have to. All right, she is an E girl who decided to sell her bathwater. Why? Wait, people bought this? Like yes. this is like a thing that people are buying? Yes. Oh my. Well, God. she doesn't sell it anymore because apparently people got sick. Because apparently they were drinking it, they were doing something with it. Apparently, she had, I think, herpes. She had some kind of infection. And people were drinking her bath. Well, oh, uh, <laughs> all right. You know what? Nope. No, 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 no. Anyways. Mm, mm, nope. Moving on. Next question. Word we'll that. come back to that another time. <clears throat> Hopefully never. Uh, all right. Um, also from Reddit. There seems to be a lot of confusion and also different sides to the debate about the sustainability of organic food, particularly fruit and vegetables. My understanding right now is that organic probably is better for the environment, but unsustainable in the sense that we need artificial fertilizer to feed the planet. So I guess the question would be, should I buy organic fruits and veg? So I think this question needs a little bit of explaining because there's a lot going on in it. Um, first, it's we need to explain like what the definition of organic, organic. is. Um <clears throat> like as it relates to fruits and vegetables, the use of artificial fertilizers uh, doesn't necessarily affect like the quality of the food when with relation to whether mm -hmm. like organic certification. Um, my first thing is my first answer immediately is like yes, in an ideal world you should buy organic fruits and vegetables that are not treated with pesticides, um, that are not treated with uh herbicides etc like that or anything like that what is your take um no i completely agree it's just that there's too many people in the world that we can't all live off of an organic mm -hmm. lifestyle mm -hmm. like it's impossible i think that <coughs> it might be impossible and this is like the problem with our current food system is that it's so difficult to imagine like what we would do to feed everybody outside of it and in, like, our globalized food system uh, with, like, <coughs> monocultures and stuff, we're so mm -hmm. reliant upon other people producing such large quantities of food that we – so many people don't know how to produce their own food. Let's, let's paint a picture of, like, an ideal world with, like, an ideal food system. First, you'd want to, like, individualize um, it. Yeah. Every country Producing is, everything they need? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it would be a really great example of this is like like uh, local agricultures or like community supported agriculture. Um, <coughs> there's a really great uh, agricultural community up here in the North Country of New York where it's like people are starting to uh, want to buy locally sourced food that doesn't have to travel, um, that's seasonally dependent. Um, where they like know the people that are growing it for them or they're growing it themselves. Mm. Um, if everyone were to have like their own garden and like their own plot of land and like were to maximize the productivity out of it, I think that we would at least be able to sig <coughs> significantly feed a lot more people. I think the argument like you can't feed everybody clean, healthy food is a logistics argument. And, it could be solved, but probably won't in our lifetime. <laughs> We're all going to die. Oh. Also, 
now it's sad. Even though this question is focused on organic fruits and veg, I think it's important to bring up the meat industry since oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it's since so bad. if meat was I'm I'm not vegan or vegetarian. I do eat meat. But I love hot it, wings. <laughs> so I don't think I could ever go. I think said hot wheels. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I mean I love hot wheels beat too. That. But like whoa, what? But uh <laughs> I feel like if we were to cut down on our consumption of meat as a whole like country, then there would be much more land and water to go into organic mm-hmm. um agriculture. Yeah. But then <coughs> I think it's that also- probably also doesn't eliminate like the need for artificial uh fertilizer. fertilizer. Yeah, I think it's like so. organic has like varying levels. Like I, I looked up the definition and it's like uh, food produced or involving the production without the use of chemical fertilizers, pesticides, or other artificial agents. And I think that there needs to be, like, degrees of organic and that if we ever were to, like, transition our food systems <coughs> to a more sustainable and a more uh, inclusive system that everyone was able to have, like, locally grown fresh fruit and veg uh, and even, like, locally sourced meats... Um, that would require like varying degrees of organic, like definitely not pesticides or herbicides or et cetera, but like the use of certain types of fertilizers or like new methods might be something that would like have to be used through this transition period. So I'm sorry. I was looking at an article about non GMO versus organic, but it's a really interesting debate. And I think that we should definitely come back to it on another episode. Mm. Um, so let's put a pin in that. Uh, we have one last question from the Redditors who asked us questions. Uh, it says, why do you think people focus on banning plastic straws so much when the most littered item in the world are cigarette butts? Uh, why is it okay for people to flick their used cigarettes in the ground instead of being a taboo and frowned upon by society? So do you know the you know, fucking turtles? Do you know the the podcast Trashburg? No, it's the local like podcast for Plattsburgh. We're shouting you out, but um, they, they better did, shout us out. Yeah, <laughs> they, I remember one out. episode they uh, or at least on their page was a video of them collecting cigarette butts throughout Plattsburgh, and it was like, like in the hundreds, and it was disgusting. Yeah, but maybe it's because all right. I was going to say not everyone smokes, but also not everyone uses straws. So I feel like that logic isn't exactly a... Well, I speak for every, like, visco girl when I say scrunchies and save the turtles. Um, (laughs) uh, but, But seriously, I think there's... The ideas behind, like, plastic, by banning plastic straws and banning, like, plastic bags, like, single-use plastic items in that entire family, um, is that, like, you're trying to slowly change behaviors, and that's, like, an easy thing that can be changed. Uh, I think that for the environmental movement, our, one, we haven't done the best job at banning straws and banning plastic bags nationwide. Like New York just passed a plastic bag ban statewide, but like there's no statewide straw ban. There's only like smaller County, uh, bans for stuff. Um, 
I think that it's like a small step and the environmental movement isn't ready to take on big tobacco. Like we've seen it with like other social movements where it's like trying to take on the tobacco industry and people to smoke less is difficult. (coughs) I think like the environmental movement, we could only like, if we were to try to eliminate people tossing cigarette butts everywhere, Mm -hmm. we would like do some sort of an educational campaign where we're like, Hey, we know that tobacco grows from the ground, but did you know that cigarettes are not biodegradable? Like, you should put them some like put I mean, them in growing, a growing growing tobacco itself is also unsustainable. Yeah, the whole. Uh, I'm shouting out my China Pod. Go please listen to it. We'll put the link in the show notes yes. so people can go back and listen to it. Also, um, straws take about 200 years to decompose, while cigarette butts only take 10. Not, oh. not saying we should. Okay, you know, ten, throw. 10 years versus 200 years. In 10 years, we'll be out of fresh water. In 200 years, our society probably won't exist as it currently does. So. And then aliens you know. are going to be like, what's this strange tube? What's this strange tube? <laughs> did they use it for science <laughs> experiments? Like, for s- to slurp things? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that answers that question pretty well. You want to take us into our questions? from ah, emails this is from the lovely neuron thank you so much for thank you for your question thank you so much um so she says my question is how do you convince those who screw up the planet that this is going to affect them and their kids lots of love see i think there's there i think there's a point where if you know if you're talking to a certain audience that you know or have an inkling that you might not be able to convince them but as long as you get the information out of there, then I'm fine. Like, it's up to them to accept it or not. And if they don't, then it's their own ignorance blinding them. I think there's <clears throat> two things about this question. I think it's the people who screw up. There's the businesses and, like, like the people who enable capitalism, like CEOs and, like, the wealthy and that they screw up the planet. And I think there's like our individual, like the rest of society and how individuals screw up the planet. I think that convincing an individual about their impact that they have is actually like not that difficult. Like if you can just figure out the way that they connect to the issue, then you can hit them there. Um, I think trying to convince Jeff Bezos or like another like billionaire, that he's they need to stop tr- their isn't that he a they, trillionaire. He's is he, I, I think he's only a billionaire. Okay, is that just is, am I just like exaggerating? Wouldn't be surprised at this point. Let's see. Um, but if I don't think we're able to convince them to change their lifestyle, like they are not the people that we need to target. But they're the people who do the most impact. So it's kind of. Don't know how to answer this question. I think that's the purpose of like what we're doing now is like this podcast, but also like as a movement is like we're trying to figure out how to talk to people about these things. So any suggestions would be appreciated. He's not a trillionaire. I feel dumb. Trillion, billion. At that <laughs> point, at that point, those numbers are so big, it does. They're the same. They're they're just yeah. abstract in um, my mind. What do you call it? If if you try to convince someone. You know, that, what's the question again? 
<laughs> so, the people who screw up the planet. Just just send them a link to Planet Forward, and then <laughs> they'll find they and then they'll find an environmental story that they can relate to. Sure, and then they can after they do that they can check out Pod for the Planet. Yes, and they can listen to us being idiots here, trying to figure it out. With idiots. Them. I don't Bean. sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots sound like this. Cool. <sighs> next, let's get to the next question. This question is from my lovely co-CA, Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson. Who has agreed, thankfully, to <laughs> be on a couple of episodes in the spring. Whoop, whoop. Um, his question is, what is the solution to trash islands forming in the ocean? And is it reversible? Giant net. Big net. Big net. Catch it. Isn't that like... Take it. That's actually happening. Yeah. Um, in 2013, there's an entrepreneur who founded the Ocean Cleanup. That's the guy... That's like the project where they're trying to take a giant net and like buoys. And there's these like big plastic balls that are like floats. And it's like going around and there's two boats... And the boats like come together, close the net, and it like scoops garbage out. And the net goes down, and it like scoops the garbage. And then the boats meet together, and then they like pull the garbage back in. That's one project. So that's happening right now. But that's only like like treating the symptom of a sickness and not treating the actual like cause of it. So I think a better way to answer this question to tie a bow on it is that the only way that we can truly stop garbage, particularly plastic getting into the ocean is to stop the production of plastic uh, and the use of plastic and to ensure that uh, whatever garbage that we do create ends up safely in landfills or in some sort of futuristic type of garbage management. That way it is not able to be brought downstream and into the ocean. We should harness the power of a black hole. And throw all our garbage in it. Yeah. Let's do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's just take all the garbage, put it on a rocket, <laughs> send it to the sun, <coughs> and then just blow it up. The The question reminds me of a comic book series about a trash bag. What? If it's about a trash bag finding its way to a trash island in the ocean. There's no words. Was it no words, but it was sent, It was just like the pictures? and Yeah. Was the trash bag alive, or was it just no. like a narrator? Wow. It's just, yeah. That's cool. How do you have so many environmental comic books? We'll have to talk about this <laughs> another time. It was in the R episode I talked about it, like a little bit. When I was like, here are some environmental comic books. Blah, 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 blah. We can link to that below. Blah, 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 All right. This is from good old Shaughnessy. We love you, Shaughnessy. We love love you, Shaughnessy. All right. Yo, what are um, people doing outside? All right. How does gender, environment, and the environment intersect? Is there a lack of women in the conversation? Is environment change affecting women differently in terms of health, health, access to certain sectors, etc.? So I don't know too much about this. Um, I hate to say that I'm not the most educated in like this aspect of environmental injustice. Ecofeminism. Yeah, there's like yeah, there's like a couple of things. The first thing that came to my mind when I read this question <coughs> goes ties a little bit back to like the freshwater issue. Um, how I read a story how like there are 
women in sub-Saharan Africa that are being forced due to droughts to go farther and farther mm. to get fresh water to do all of the things that they need to do for their family. Um, but you were saying ecofeminism. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not an expert. I, I just have, like, the definition of it. Shut up. Thank you. <laughs> um. All right. Ecologically centered discipline that critiques the dominant male. P- <laughs> the patriarchy's outside. <laughs> That's the patriarchy out there. Thanks for taking down the patriarchy. White cis males. <laughs> Anyways, um, anyways, um, ecofeminism. Yeah, it connects the environment yeah. to the male-dominated patriarchy. Well, yeah. male-dominated patriarchy. That's kind of and so. So the only way to like fix our environmental problems is to also take down the patriarchy. Yeah. All right, that's pretty cool. I think I am not qualified enough to speak to it any more than that, except to say that. Historically, uh, women have always been more connected to the environment. Um, if you go all the way back to like pre-agricultural revolution, like the dawn of human civilization, it was like women were the ones who like did the foraging and mm-hmm. stuff while the men were hunting, and they were the ones who like are credited with like the original domestication of plants. So we could theoretically be like, women should be thanked for the agricultural revolution and like all the progress that it brought us to today, but they're not sadly. So Shaughnessy had a second question. She does. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, and it's a throwback to our environmental history class. And I don't know if we're going to be able to answer it or if you remember this, but I thought I'd put it on here anyway. <coughs> uh, it says, uh, the trouble with wilderness or getting back to the wrong nature by environmental historian, William Cronin, raises interesting questions about the construction of environment in American society. What are your thoughts on his thesis? Do you agree with his thoughts on biodiversity? You're going to have to like do Explain. a quick, because I kind of forgot. Okay. So super fast. Super I fast. also forgot it. <laughs> but the basis of this thesis is that... My friend Hama said we should throw out, out all the garbage into Florida sinkholes. Cool. Well, that's a... We'll come back to that. The The basis of the of Cronin's thesis for the trouble with wilderness is that all of the wilderness that exists today isn't true wilderness because it was created by people, at least in America, or for, like, when we consider wilderness, we think of, like, national parks and stuff. Are we talking about, like, second secondary succession? We're talking about, like, uh, baseline. I don't know if you remember stuff from environmental history like but how, trying like, to set up where the baseline of like, exactly original yeah. true nature was exactly yeah okay. so like how most of the national park system the national parks were created and thought to be cr- a pristine wilderness but if you look at like a place like yellowstone in the creation of that pristine wilderness uh native american groups had to be forced off that land mm-hmm. because they weren't considered part of what the, of what our society at the time considered a pristine wilderness. So um, in popular American culture and in just like our global 
concept of wilderness, we don't really take into account that like every place on earth has been affected by humans. Our footprint is everywhere and that there's truly no wild place left. What all the places that are wild today are wild by design. Mm. Um, So I've thought about this a lot. Thanks. I've thought about this a lot (laughs) uh, because one, I love the national parks, but I'm always conflicted by how we people interact with the environment and the national park system oftentimes separates uh, people from the environment because there's like barriers of access uh, being like lack of transportation in and out of the park Mm -hmm. uh, communities of color are time and time again um, excluded from recreational activities like hiking and stuff like that uh, due to just like geographic locations Um, and just like the way we think about our connection with the environment is so black and white it's like humans are like urban creatures and we're like creatures who design our environment and the wilderness is like void of people but that's not always the case and that's historically not the case and it's important that like we tell people about that like the the first line of the trouble with wilderness is the time has come to rethink wilderness um that was in 1995 so i think the time has come time is now (laughs) this is obviously anthropocentric view right here yeah where we're like yeah where we're separating ourselves from nature but it's not always so okay so for for this thesis to work when do you think that do you think he thought if okay do you think he paid any mind to when hum like the time when humans were not a part of nature anymore do you what get do you, what i mean so are you saying like <clears throat> because before you know civilization yeah. or like you, you know eurocentric like ways of thinking the industrial revolution yeah and, and yeah. all that whatnot even before that like we were one with nature we were one with nature so do you think Cronin thought like since he 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 knew that we were once like you know one with nature before deeply but connected. like now that we're you know we're so-called not do you think he pointed out some point in time where like the split happened because he has to I feel like if you're going to believe that that human humanity is no shape way or form like a part of nature anymore then you have to have like a point in time when where did it change yeah like when did it change so and i i'd say industrial revolution is too early uh, too too late too late i agree i i feel like it's got to be like i didn't have a chance <sighs> to reread the entire paper uh beforehand but i from my recollection and from like my remembering of our environmental history class um, I remember that a couple of points that were mentioned for this were like uh, the introduction of Christianity into uh, like global society um, was one where it's like uh, that was the point in time pre-industrial revolution where uh, man 
saw it to like dominate the landscape. I know that another example or point in time that could be like pinned down. I don't know if it's like, I think it's too simplistic to say that like there was one point in time. That this I happened. feel like I think it's there multiple. Was, like, yeah. It was like complex. There was like a wave of like <laughs> this thing happened and it connected to this other thing and it like mm. built on it to get to that point. Um, was the invention of like the steel plow. So it's like agricultural production was like, it was man changing the environment. So I think those two things from my memory were the things that were like the impetus for like our disconnect from the natural world. So technology and religion. Exactly. But can you also argue that animals also use technology? Or at least they are not on the scale that we do. I know, but. You could ar- there's like the beaver argument where it's like a yeah. beaver actively or, alters or like, its environment or, or beehives beehives or, yeah we're like yeah. woodpeckers, woodpeckers or like chimps using stones um I th- I think there's like it's I feel like this thesis is like a good jumping off point to talk about other problems with like the popular concepts of the environment <coughs> <coughs> I'm okay good. Uh, the popular concepts of the environment and like the way that we look at ourselves in relation to the environment. I think for me, the most significant thing with this is the way that it contextualizes the American environmental experience. Um, the national park system and like the way that we look at our wilderness here in the United States today for the longest time for decades it completely overlooked the impact that native american populations had on their environments mm-hmm. here you just had uh su- they had such an impact um and ju- just recently we've started to see like the realization of that and like the what's the word i can't even think of the word it's stuck on the tip of my tongue like the acceptance that like pre-european human inhabitants of this continent were capable of drastically changing the environment. Hmm. So, and that was before, right. That was before the introduction how, of Christianity here and the introduction how, of how indigenous technology. peoples were responsible for killing a lot of megafauna. Exactly. I think <coughs> I'm going to be bold here. We, I'm going to say that, the moment that we first started to diverge from nature was when we grasped the power of fire. That was the moment that we were, that as a species, we were able to truly like take ownership of our, of the natural world. Thank Prometheus. Thank Prometheus. <laughs> Prometheus and Bob. Oh, Bob. I want to watch that show again. Oh, Bob. But yeah, we should do a crash course episode on how, the United States views the environment and then another formal episode about how other countries view the environment. or other continents do so. I'm writing this down. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all of our questions. Let's wrap this bad boy up. I'd like to thank all of the people who sent us questions. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you. I'd like to thank all the people who sent us questions. Um, I hope that our answers were somewhat helpful. Um, probably not. We're no experts. We're just trying to figure it out just like you. Um, I hoped it helped. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who's watching, if anyone was watching. 
Um, oh, it's lit. We, people how are many watching. People? Four, yeah. five. Oh, that's a handful. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> this episode is going to post sometime this weekend. Um, keep a lookout for it. We have a lot of stuff uh, cooking right now for coming back in 2020. Shit's shit's uh, slow cooking. Exactly. Like like we trying to get a nice and tender for all of you out there listening. Wow. Podcast ASMR. Look at you. So we have, uh, Ramel brought it up, we're going to be doing a series of Crash Course episodes in the spring. <coughs> uh, and we are also going to be working on a bunch of new stuff in 2020 so keep an eye out for that 2020 ah new year new decade new us new powering 20s that means another great depression Economic collapse. yeah um anyway See, thank everyone, you for listening. everyone's excited for the the roaring 20s again but i'm excited for the next great depression or how i say the big sad Anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. See you next time.